Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune into the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. You're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast, where there is no off-season. Welcome to another edition of the DLF Dynasty Podcast with me, Matt Price, and Ryan McDowell. I'm Dan Myler. Fellas, how we doing? We're uh, we're getting going on this rookie cash, stash, and trash series that we do every year. And of course, there was some big news over the weekend that we have to cover. But before we get to any of that, let's see uh, see how you're doing. How you doing, Ryan? I'm good. I'm good. I'm glad we got this news. It was it was starting yeah, to about start, time. Yeah, starting to be a little quiet around the league, and uh, yeah, this this shakes things up a little bit. Even though it was it was kind of expected at this point. Yeah, and maybe an expected landing spot, but we can get to that in a minute. Matt, how's it going, bud? It's good. Uh, yeah, it was good to get some news today to break up some some staleness, I guess. And you know, the the, the next round, I think, of rookie drafts are starting to happen. I'm just kicking off uh, red list auctions and. KS5 is rolling, so you know we're 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 still finding things to do at this point in the off season. Yeah, having a lot of fun with all that stuff. Before we get into the the main topic, Matt, I saw some uh, some tweets from you over the weekend talking mm. about how how maybe zookeeping mm. isn't isn't all of your future. What are we going to do about that Twitter handle and 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 everything you what your your I guess your name on Twitter? <laughs> yeah, I guess I'll, it'll have to be if it comes to fruition, it'll have to be the ex zookeeper or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's just you know it's a very physical job and it's starting to get to me. Had shoulder surgery, back hurts, knees hurt, so kind of want to. It's it's almost like a, a football player that wants to retire early before they're broken and can enjoy the rest of their life right sure. so uh still yeah. love the job but uh it, it you know it's looking like it might be time to at least think about moving out a lot more comfortable in that podcasting chair huh? <laughs> yeah 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 a lot more fun than to most days i would assume <laughs> uh let's get to some of the big news that happened or i guess the big news that happened julio jones reported traded reportedly traded to the Titans package of picks kind of swap back and forth a second and a fourth for Julio and a sixth is the last thing I heard Ryan general thoughts we are going to cover both of these teams actually we're we're covering the AFC and the NFC self but general thoughts on the Julio Jones trade what does it do Ryan for his value specifically uh, I think his value really kind of holds steady when we're talking dynasty again. He's he's already lost quite a bit of value over the last year or so, um, not only because of his age, but also the injuries that he uh, that he dealt with last year. So um, while you, we might not like the Tennessee offense in general as as much as the Atlanta offense for fantasy purposes, uh, I think his value basically holds steady. Obviously, it's good news for Ryan Tannehill. Tannehill and then you know the big question is what does this do for AJ Brown and for Derrick Henry those are the two uh, big pieces involved but helping Tannehill helping 
Calvin Ridley and, and Kyle Pitts. I think those are, are, you know, pretty obvious. Yeah. The pretty obvious winners out of the deal. Uh, Matt, your thoughts on those other weapons that are in Tennessee that, that Ryan just mentioned the, the running game, you know, they're a run first team. Now another alpha receiver to go along with AJ Brown. Does it hurt AJ Brown at all in the short term? And, and also with Derrick Henry, uh, running that, running the football in the middle of that defense. How does that, how does that really affect him for fantasy purposes? I mean, I think for Henry, if he can overcome the the high touch numbers he's had over the past couple of, of seasons and stay healthy, like it just opens up things even more. You would think, right? There's even more. Uh, they have to pay even more respect to the passing game. So, you know, as much as we keep wanting to say sell Henry high and, and, and as difficult that is based on his age and his, his usage, you know, at this point, it just seems like you have to have to ride him out and uh, he's going to continue to produce and, until he doesn't. Right. And then for the other weapons, Josh, Josh Reynolds is probably gone, uh, not gone, but, you know, out of our, our minds for fantasy. Daz Newsome, you know, is kind of came on as a, uh, a little bit of a sleeper the last few few weeks. I think that's done. This is just really a funnel offense. I think it's nice for fantasy because we're going to be able to predict all the targets are going to go to really to Julio and to A.J. Brown. Uh, it probably caps A.J. Brown's upside a little bit in the in the in the short term, I guess, like maybe the top end. But I think they're both of these guys, just because they're going to be the, the, the sole target getters in the, in the passing offense, they're both going to be over 100, 120 targets. So, you know, I think both can probably coexist. Uh, you might have a little bit of a frustration where, where one, uh, you know, goes off on we- one week and they kind of flip-flop between who's going to produce each week in our lineups. But, uh, you know, over the course of the season, it should even out, I think. And, and uh, so it's good for all three of those pieces, I, I think. Yeah, I really feel like it. It's good for everybody in Tennessee as well, especially Tannehill, who Ryan mentioned. There's, there's so much, uh, so much more firepower in an offense that was already doing really well. I, you know, I spent just a couple minutes on Twitter looking at some reaction and saw that Corey Davis, you know, the the uh, comps and things like that. How how he struggled in that offense and how that would that would matter for Julio. And I just rolled my eyes and turned Twitter <laughs> off. And that's why I can't spend any time there. Uh, let's talk about this Tennessee Titans offense. I guess their draft, really. Uh, that's where we're going to start the rookie cash dash and trash segment of the show. We did the AFC and NFC East last week. So if you missed it, go check that out. This week, it's the AFC and NFC South. And it starts in Tennessee. They didn't address those skill possession uh, positions until day three, fellas. And a couple wide receivers, um, Des Fitzpatrick, uh, Racy McGrath in fourth and sixth round. Matt, when it comes to these receivers, are we just we just kind of moving past them and, and sliding them over into that trash pile? Or is there any upside in the long term with these guys? I think I said Daz Newsom. I meant Daz Fitzpatrick. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> uh, anyway, yeah, those are the two. I think they're. I think they're just future roster clockers at this point. You know, I guess if Julio is only a, a one-year rental in Tennessee and he moves on, then maybe you have something a little bit down the line with those guys. Um, but you know, if Julio is going to stick around for two years or more, then those guys are just, I think, going to be afterthoughts. So uh, I, I guess we'll call them trash for me at this point. Ryan, the reason I threw it to Matt first is so he could be the first one to call out trash because <laughs> and he gets you so often for doing it. Your thoughts? You know, I think I would actually have both of these guys in the stash category, even with the addition of Julio Jones. I mean, again, thinking thinking more long-term, I do like Fitzpatrick. Uh, obviously, they, they invested a, a pretty valuable pick 
uh, one of the first picks on uh, on day three in Des Fitzpatrick. Uh, and then McMath, the, the kid from LSU, is, is just that speed guy, which, um, I mean, obviously both Julio Jones and, and A.J. Brown are, are well-rounded receivers, can do pretty much anything that they're asked to do, uh, but they're not necessarily thought of as that traditional deep threat type player, and, and that's what McMath is. So, of course, both of these guys, as, as day three picks, have have long roads to go and, and a lot to overcome. But if we're talking really big rosters, 30, man, 30 players plus, I, I'd try to stash them both. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to side on Matt's side on this one. It feels like they're most likely to be on your waiver wire within probably 18 months or so by the time we're, we're drafting uh, two years from now, even in those bigger leagues. So I, I do agree that there is a little bit of upside. I, I don't know if the Julio trade really um, really matters for me when it comes to how to look at these guys or what lens to look at these guys through. It's uh, th- There's certainly a chance in an offense that has produced some some uh, some playmakers, but I'm, I'm just not looking at them as guys I want to build around. They're, they're not necessarily guys that are being drafted in most rookie drafts right now either. So I guess in those really deep leagues like Ryan's talking about, they, they are roster worthy at the end of a bench. Uh, let's jump over to Indianapolis, guys, with the Colts, another team that waited until day three, Ryan, to jump into those skill position players. They added tight end uh, Kylan Granson, um, quarterback Sam Ellinger, and wide receiver Mike Strachan. Strachan? I'm not real familiar with him. You got any – what are your thoughts on these three? Is there, is there any chance that these guys uh, are, are quality stashes in the long haul? I think Granson is for sure. Um, you know, we've, we've already heard a little bit out of, out of him and about him from rookie OTAs and uh, obviously have to be careful about, uh, about the hype that comes from those things, but uh, certainly encouraging. You think about the depth chart, uh, Jack Doyle, Mo Alley Cox in front of him. Uh, I mean, Doyle, it kind of just feels like the end is near for him, uh, unfortunately. And, uh, while while Mo Ali Cox was kind of impressive at times this year, I, I I really like what the Colts have given us at tight end over the years, turning these you know kind kind of no name guys into something fantasy relevant. So we'll see if if Granson can be the next in that line. But I like the opportunity for him. The Ellinger pick just did not make sense at all for me. Uh, I mean they invested so much into the Carson Wentz trade. They used a a uh, pretty valuable pick on Jacob Eason a year ago. And even though we're talking about a a sixth rounder, the end of the sixth round, I just don't understand why they drafted Sam Ellinger at all. The, I think Ellinger and, and straight, straight, Straken. I'm not, I'm not sure of the the pronunciation either there, Dan. Uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even bother with those guys. Trash, Matt. They're trash. Yeah, they're all they're all <laughs> trash for me. I, I'm I, I'm gonna go ahead and side with Mo Ali Cox over, over Kylan Granson. I mean, who knows, right? But uh, fourth round isn't isn't the worst draft capital for a tight end. But uh, I, I'm not gonna be spending any even even a single dollar in an auction league on any of these guys. Wow. Yeah, I'm not really either. It's it's interesting. Granson and Ellinger were picked in two of uh, the most recent rookie drafts on DLF 
both of them very late. Um, I don't even think in a super flex league with big rosters, a lot of people are going after Sam Ellinger. He had a really nice career at Texas, but doesn't those skills don't appear to transfer to to a playmaking starter in the NFL. So I think most of us are just overlooking this entire class in Indianapolis. I do think Granson has a little bit of upside, though. Um, I wasn't super familiar with him until after the draft, and then maybe after those those little blurbs came out about Granson coming out of that, that camp, Ryan, uh, got a little more familiar with him. And there is, there might be a little something there. So in those tight end premium leagues where you got room for, for multiple tight ends on your bench, he's, he's a guy worth considering late. I think, uh, how about the Houston Texans? They need a lot of help. They, uh, they didn't help themselves out all that well though. They, they had two third round picks that, you know, they, they traded all those picks away, and then they finally get on the clock, and they pick a quarterback, Ryan. They go with Davis Mills out of Stanford in the third round. Then later in the same round, Nico Collins, the wide receiver out of Michigan. So perhaps a chance to get on the field for him. And then all the way down in week er, in, uh, in round five, they go with tight end Brevin Jordan, who some dynasty players out there are pretty excited about out of Miami. So this group, Ryan, is is there – what? who's the who's – the, most likely to be uh, at least roster worthy, at least a stash player in the future. It's, I mean, it's so easy to criticize everything we see from the Texans <laughs> recently. Um, just choosing, using that first pick, even though it's in the third round on Davis Mills, doesn't make a ton of sense. Um, even if we assume one way or another that, that Deshaun Watson is not going to be there. You you think they just wait until uh, next year to figure out the quarterback position. But um, at the same time, if, if Davis Mills gets some playing time this year, and I would expect that he would, uh, if he hits, then they've, you know, they've, they've struck gold in, in the third round. So I guess, but it, it ultimately, it feels like probably a wasted pick from the standpoint of, of what we're doing here today, cash stash or, or trash, I actually see a path for him to be a cash player because I do think he's going to play this year. Even in, in super flex leagues, he's being drafted in the third round as the quarterback eight in these, in rookie drafts. These are actual rookie drafts from my fantasy league. So I, I think there's a really good chance for some, some nice return on that investment. And I would say the same thing with Nico Collins. So I, I think they're both going to gain value. Uh, I don't know if they're going to gain enough value to, to be able to, you know, sell them for a future second or, or something like that. But that would, that would be my plan. So I would, I would call those both kind of cash players with an asterisk. And you, you better splash around in the Brevin Jordan waters here. How, how are we feeling about his upside? Ryan? No, he's trash. That's an easy one. We got him out. Of, we got it out of him, Matt. Uh, Matt, specifically with Davis Mills, you sharing a brain with Ryan on this? You you thinking that he, he could be a cash player because of the short-term upside in Houston for playing time? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, you have to assume that Tyrod is probably going to start off the season as a starter, pres- presuming that, you know, Watson isn't going to play. Uh, but as the Texans continue to drift farther and farther away from pr- playoffs, you have to think they're at least going to give Davis Mills a shot. So definitely room for cashing in year one. Nico Collins, I think, is a stash. Uh, you know, I, I think he uses his size well for, for a big receiver, but I don't think he's fast. And uh, I'm not sure about his separation in the NFL. So we'll see there. But there's certainly, you know, opportunity in the passing offense should there be a passing offense that we care about. And I kind of feel the same 
way about Drevin, uh, Brevin Jordan. I know you guys hated him uh, pre-draft, and I was a little bit higher. Um, and I know those the tight ends in Houston, they bring in a new one every single year. It was, you know, Kahali Waring and Darren Fells and, you know, just, just uh, what, Jordan Aikens and Jordan Thomas, I think, right? So he's probably just going to end up again in that big glop. But he is athletic enough to, to separate if he has a, a quarterback that is going to throw him the ball. So I'm going to call him and, and Collins both stashes and – and uh, Davis Mills, a potential cash. And I did not think that that was going to happen when uh, I looked at the, the Houston Texans uh, draft class. Yeah, I didn't think so either. But it, I, I thought maybe I would be the only one that would call him cash for all the reasons that you all mentioned. You mentioned, Ryan, that maybe that was a wasted pick. And I completely agree with you, especially when you consider all the rosters in the league. It's pretty easy to say that Houston has the least amount of talent probably most likely to have a very high draft pick next year. And even if this Deshaun Watson thing doesn't work out in the team's favor and Watson ends up staying away from the team for multiple weeks or potentially even the entire season, you would think that they would want to readdress that position next year, a year from now when, when, uh, when they were picking so high, I think the, the likelihood of wasting that their first pick in the draft and a high third round pick is so high that, you know, finding an offensive lineman or another skill position player would have been a better way to spend that pick. But we'll see how that plays out. Either way, you mentioned the value that Mills is bringing in those super flex draft and auctions. Um, I'd be, I'd be scouring that market for sure. There's, there's the opportunity to get some, uh, some, some playing time this year. And as we've seen with so many quarterbacks in the past, a few good games can suddenly put them in the marketplace and and become a player that you can trade for a future draft pick or future auction dollars, anything like that. There's the potential. And when you're only giving up a third round rookie pick or a few auction bucks, there's just so much upside in that. Uh, Quickly on Nico Collins, I was a I was a Collins fan coming out of Michigan, and I like the landing spot for obvious reasons because there should be opportunities on the outside. When you think about the talent that's on that roster at receiver, I think most most people think of Brandon Cooks right away and think of him as being an interior option, a guy that can work in the slot but work on the outside as well. After that, Randall Cobb's probably the next name, and he's going to work out of the slot almost uh, exclusively. So that leaves a little bit of an opportunity for Collins, who's a big body receiver and a guy who could be a playmaker on the perimeter and in the, uh, in the red zone. So there's a chance for Collins. I'm looking, I'm going to be watching him closely. Another guy that's going very late in rookie drafts. So a guy that we can get in on. I, uh, I'm going to call him cash as well because of those opportunities I see for him. Jordan, we're going to throw him in the trash pile. No (laughs) doubt. Uh, the last team in the AFC South we should talk about is the Jacksonville Jaguars. And, and there's so much talent that was added to this team, Matt, with Trevor Lawrence in the first round and Travis Etienne in the first round. I don't know if there's a dynasty player out there that isn't going to call both of those guys cash. Yeah, these are the probably the two ob- most obvious ones we'll talk about in this entire show, I assume, uh, outside of one other player. Um, but yeah, these two are easily cash. R- Etienne's the running back one for me. Trevor Lawrence is the quarterback one, of course. Uh, both first-rounders in pretty much every format you can think of in Dynasty. Ryan, there is there anything else to say? Really, they're they're cash players. They're every, everybody wants them on their rosters, right? Absolutely, both cash players for sure. 
Beyond that, in the fifth and sixth round, they did add a couple of weapons. Tight end Luke Farrell out of Ohio State, who isn't known as a great downfield pass catcher. And then Jalen Camp out of Georgia Tech, the wide receiver in the sixth round. Any upside here, Ryan? Yeah, I I like Camp a little. He's another player that uh, has got some positive reviews coming out of Camp. Uh, But the depth chart is, is obviously tough. When it comes to competition, Chark and Chenault. Um, and then they also bring in Marvin Jones. I, I still am kind of hanging on to my Colin Johnson shares from last mm-hmm. year. So uh, no matter what you think of uh, of Jalen Camp, it's tough to see him uh, finding a path to, to, to really any serious playing time. So he's another one of those deep stash guys for me. Uh, 30, 35-man rosters, maybe... Uh, maybe you find a spot for him outside of that. Probably not. And, and uh, yeah, Farrell, I think, is probably just that, that blocking tight end, um, although they, they need something there. It's, it's not Tim Tebow. Yeah, it doesn't appear to be anyway. Matt, what about you? Any, any, uh, any love for any of these guys at the end of the draft for the Jags? Yeah, I like stashing camp. It's obviously a crowded wide receiver depth chart, but he's got some nice size that you know most of the other other receivers outside of um, DJ Chark and Chanel don't necessarily offer. Uh, but he, you know, he he's so hard to like project to the next level because he played in that triple option system where they don't really throw the ball very much at all. Uh, so I think like 300 yards or something in his final season. So tough to judge from a prospect standpoint. But you know, you like the size and and obviously the fit with uh, with you know quarterback of the future they're really looking for to put some weapons in that offense for Lawrence so you know I think they're going to give a lot of opportunities to all the guys they added this offseason not to mention the guys that they held over from last year's roster which included a couple of playmakers for sure and Chenault and and uh of course DJ Chark so I you know I, I think Luckily, we have a preseason this year, or should have a preseason. We'll get to see some of these types of names. And if he makes an impact in the preseason, he could be a guy that would be moving up. So he's he's got that little asterisk next to his name on my rookie draft board for my rookie late rookie drafts, a guy I'll be watching in the preseason for sure. But, but the main headlines of this class, of course, are Lawrence and ETN for the Jags, both cash players. We should jump over to the NFC South, guys, and we might as well start with the New Orleans Saints because even though they didn't jump into the the skill position players till later on in the draft, when they did, they grabbed a quarterback. It's Ian Book out of Notre Dame, a guy that, honestly, Matt, I, I kind of like him. If you watched him at Notre Dame, he's got leadership. He's got a decent arm. He's... Uh, got a little bit of that quarterback savvy that that uh, seems almost like arrogance or or confidence, whatever whatever way you want to say it. I like Dean Book a little bit, and he's a guy that I've been keeping an eye on in my rookie auctions and, and rookie drafts because you can get him for next to nothing, and he landed with a coach that that works well with quarterbacks and w- w- on a team that is sure to have opportunities for quarterbacks, if not this year, then potentially next season. What are your thoughts on Book? Is he a cash, stash, or trash player for you? I mean, he's a little bit athletic, so he has a little bit of that to his game. Uh, but he he seems an extremely inaccurate quarterback to me, just from the few games that I I, I watch uh, and have read about. So I'm not really super interested in it. But you can't deny the the opportunity could be there should Jameis implode and 
he, you know, I don't, whatever they decide to do with Taysom Hill, I don't think he's ever going to be the full-time starter. So, you know, if Jameis implodes, maybe he, he gets a couple of games this season just to see what he can do and anything can happen at that point. And then next season, like you said, uh, given a Jameis implosion, they're going to be looking for a quarterback. So if he were to work out, then, you know, maybe you have something, but in general, he's, uh, you know, in a super flex format, he's that, you know, the end of the, like you said, the end of the draft, fourth, fifth round kind of dark throw for me. I wouldn't take a, you spend even a third round on him. Yeah, I wouldn't either. That's what I was talking about, really. If you're in the at the end of the fourth round in a super flex rookie draft and you want to add some depth at quarterback, especially if you can add a rookie and put him on your practice squad or taxi squad, that, that's the kind of kind of stash he is. He's a low-end stash for sure. Ryan, Ian Book, also they, they added in the seventh round Kawan Baker out of South Alabama, the wide receiver. Uh, any thoughts on these two guys? Yeah, I think Book on any other team probably would – would uh, fall in that trash category for mm-hmm. me. But uh, with the Saints, not only the coaching staff and the situation there, but obviously the uh, potential for playing time for, for really any quarterback on that roster, uh, he has to at least move into that stash category. You guys called him uh, a target in the late fourth round. That's exactly where he is being drafted, 45th overall. And, again, that's in Superflex League's. Uh, obviously going even much later than that or, or not being drafted at all in one quarterback leagues. Uh, as far as Baker, um, again, not a player I know a ton about, but this team has to figure out something at wide receiver. They just keep running it back with, you know, Traquan Smith and, and these same old guys behind Michael Thomas. And, um, I mean, even had uh, Emmanuel Sanders last year, and, and now he's gone. So you just think somebody is going to have to emerge at some point. And, Maybe we should be paying attention to Baker at the at the very end of our drafts as well. Yeah, another guy that would be worth um, monitoring throughout the off season and into the uh, preseason. We'll we'll see how things shake out. He wasn't really a guy that I knew a whole lot about either. But you know, playing at a smaller school at South Alabama, they. The only thing I know about South Alabama is they like to run that vertical offense. And so if you if you turn on Kawan Baker highlights from his college days, you're going to see a lot of over the top and big play. And then that underneath um, that underneath passing game and look for for big yardage after the catch. So maybe they unlocked something there that that makes him, uh, again, one of those real uh, if you're making a long list of stashes, he's towards the bottom of that list of stashes. But a guy that we should be monitoring. How about the Super Bowl champs? Let's talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They put a succession plan into place in the second round, late in the second round. They take Kyle Trask out of Florida. Let's talk about him specifically first, Ryan, because uh, there was a lot lot to say when it came to who was going to be that next quarterback taken in the NFL draft. And and we all waited to hear the second name. And then in, with the last pick in the second round, it was Trask. And he did go to Tampa Bay to play behind Tom Brady, who I'm sure still has multiple years left to go. But Kyle Trask, if you're thinking about a stash quarterback, especially in those super flex leagues, he has to be the the poster boy for it right now. Yeah, 100%. Uh, even if he doesn't play at all this year. And, and looking at their depth chart, they do have a couple – Fairly reliable veterans, Blaine Gabbert, Ryan Griffin. So, I mean, there's a, a pretty good chance we, we don't see Trask on the field at all this year, barring something really going wrong. Um, but I think you're totally right. He, he's the ideal uh, stash player, especially in those super flex leagues. 
but I, I, I kind of feel like I've learned my lesson. I've, I've spent too much time trying to figure out who Tom Brady's <laughs> successor is going to be. Uh, I've been doing this for 10 years now, it feels like, telling people yeah. to sell Brady because he was too old. And uh, th- those guys haven't really worked out yet. Uh, Ryan Mallett and, and uh, guys like that. Uh, so, you know, of course, Tr- Trask, we would assume, is going to get his shot. But it, it might be... Uh, 2022 or, or even after that. Matt, what are your thoughts on Trask? He's got the big arm and, and got a lot of the characteristics that we like in an NFL quarterback, but lacks a lot of the athleticism that we really like to see. Uh, it's certainly going to be a year, maybe more than that, before we see him on the field. Are you willing to put him on your rosters in standard size Superflex leagues and wait for his opportunity? I, I think the move with Trask, if I'm going to draft him, is to you know, take him in that third round or third, you know, into the third, hopefully somewhere in that range. And then next season, before we know a hundred percent for sure that Brady is coming back again, which, you know, he probably is, but before we have that concrete information, that's when I want to look to flip Trask. If you can move from the third to a second, you know, something like that, you're not going to make a huge profit on this kind of move. Uh, but that would be my, what my go-to with Trask. I don't think I'm going to hold him for two years unless I just have a, a big roster that can handle that. Cause I, like, like Ryan said, you just, don't know when Brady is going to retire. So I'd like to capitalize on, on a flip if I'm going to invest anything in a Trask. I, I really like that advice. I mean, we've got these these three guys being drafted within four picks of each other. Mond is Kellen Mond, uh, who we have not talked about in this series yet, is 26th overall. Trask is 27. Davis Mills is 29. Is that the order you, you guys would draft those players in? Mond, Trask, and then Mills? I actually prefer Mills out of the group now, knowing that the landing spots and the the sooner opportunity, I guess. I I kind of had these guys in a clump so big, you know, right away before the NFL draft. I had them clumped together. So I was going to let landing spot decide. And although Houston doesn't have all the weapons and, and there's certain there, there are, there are just, there's, there's just an opportunity there. And, um, they're going to be playing from behind. I think there's a chance that he makes the earliest impact and maybe you could cash in off of him faster than some of these other options. Yeah, I think I think you're right, Dan. I think he's the easier like potential flip this season. I think Trask maybe has a little bit more uh, long-term. And then I think Mond is third just because, I mean, I don't know. Is, is Kirk Cousins really going to go away? Is, is Minnesota going to invest in a different quarterback? I don't know. So that one seems like the longest term to me. It's a it's a unique situation for sure with these, you know, we, we have these conversations every single year. And now we're starting, fellas, to talk about these developmental quarterbacks that get picked late in the second or early to mid third round. When in years past, we see guys picked in the late first and we're investing in them as the developmental players. So these guys don't have the same kind of talent as the quarterbacks that we've seen come through over the last few years that it got picked in the twenties in the first round and had to sit behind a veteran that was uh, sure to play for at least a couple more years. Uh, Jordan love of course comes to mind. He was picked in the first round while these guys aren't, aren't even just second round picks, but they're late second or early third round picks. They, they don't have the same pedigree as some of the others that we've been uh, we've been developing on our dynasty rosters in these super flex leagues. So I, I don't want to get sucked into that 
it, it feels like because because we've seen some guys uh, create create some dynasty value in in these leagues after being developed um, that everybody's looking for the next big thing and and maybe they get pushed up draft boards or people start paying a few too many dollars for for them in rookie auctions. I, I'm, I'm not willing to go there with these this group of quarterbacks, the Trasks and the Mons and all those guys that you mentioned. So it's something to keep aware of if you're into developing a lot of quarterbacks on your roster. Uh, th- these guys don't have that same pedigree and aren't looked at as su- future stud quarterbacks. They're looked at most likely as developmental guys that could be low-end NFL starters, um, but most likely career backups. Uh, the Buccaneers did add one other player that we certainly need to talk about. It's Jalen Darden out of North Texas. And we had a couple conversations about him throughout before and after the NFL draft guys, because he is a blazer. He's a guy that can stretch the field for sure. The Tampa Bay depth chart, Matt, is full of wide receivers and a lot of talent, guys who have been to a lot of Pro Bowls. Jalen Darden is going to have a hard time getting on the field. Another another group of wide receivers that already has those low-end options as well with Scotty Miller on the roster as well as the rookie from last year. Tyler Johnson. That I call it. Thank you, Johnson. Uh, there, there's talent on that roster, and it's going to be hard for Darden to make an immediate impact. Uh, Matt, how do you feel about Darden's upside? Is he a stash player because of that speed? Or is he most likely trash because he's got so many hills to climb as far as that depth chart goes? Yeah, he's the type of roster clogger that I'm going to have on my roster. <laughs> uh, someone who I love the talent of, speedy slot receiver who could you know be a PPR uh, a force for you. But like you said, he's just buried with those two receivers and Antonio Brown presumably uh, uh, taking up that third spot in, in most in most cases. So and Tyler Johnson played well last year when he got his opportunities too. Scotty Miller played pretty well when he got his opportunities. So it's just such a crowded depth chart that it's going to be tough for him to to really shine uh but you know I, I like i said i like the player and if i have if i have to spend a couple of bucks on a player at the end of an auction i'd rather spend two dollars or one dollar on jalen darden than i would ian book for example so you know there, there's something there i think ryan what are your thoughts on darden he's another guy that is going late in or relatively late i would say in these rookie drafts but a it seems like in every league I'm in, there's somebody that wants him on his team. So he goes a little bit higher than his ADP when I am watching him go off the board. What are your thoughts? Yeah, pretty much echo what Matt said. I, I like Darden as well. I'm also go- going to probably end up with him on on a few of my rosters in that uh, in, in that fourth round range or uh, if you're talking auctions, you know, just, just for a few bucks. Uh, but looking at this depth chart, you're right. I mean, there's there's seven players, seven wide receivers. If your league is deep enough, that are going to be on on a dynasty dynasty roster. Uh, that all the guys you mentioned, uh, and, and then Justin Watson is still hanging around on rosters as well. So, uh, but if you fast forward a year, you know Chris Godwin is on the tag. We'll see if if he ultimately works out a long term deal. Antonio Brown is is that year to year guy. Certainly wouldn't be a surprise if this is his final year with the Bucks or, or even in the NFL altogether, honestly. So I think if we uh, look more long-term with Darden, there's, there's uh, you know, a road to playing time, which is what makes him a stash. Yeah, he's, he's another lower-end stash for me. He, he is going off in the 
fourth and maybe even the fifth round in most leagues that the ones I look at, but it feels like he goes early in the fourth or maybe even real late with one of the last couple picks in the third and a couple of the single quarterback leagues that I've looked at. So there are fans out there. He is another slight guy. I, th- I think he measured in uh, at his pro day at 5'8", 175 right in there. And, you know, we, we've kind of uh, raised an eyebrow to that size of receiver that, that have gone a lot higher in the draft. May not may not matter to a guy that's drafted late in the fourth round, Jalen Darden, to Tampa Bay, but certainly something to consider. I think most likely his career upside is probably as a special teamer using that speed uh, to return punts and kicks. I could certainly see him doing that in those types of leagues where where you're uh, benefited from from special teams yardage gained. Maybe he's maybe he's an attractive player late in your rookie draft. Uh, a couple more teams to cover here, guys. Let's go to the Carolina Panthers. Ryan, let's start with Terrace Marshall. Uh, picked late in the second round, a little lower than a lot of us expected in the NFL draft, but certainly a guy that we, many dynasty players are think, thinking has a lot of upside. But he lands in Carolina. There should be an opportunity on the outside. Is that enough to make him a cash player? It is for me. I, I love the I love the pick. I thought it was great value, as we've talked about on here. Uh, the three of us and, and some other friends were together watching the NFL draft, and we just kept uh, seeing these wide receivers come off the board and saying, they took him over Terrace Marshall, and we couldn't believe it. And, you know, of course, after the, the fact, we heard that there were maybe some some concerns about his attitude or, or some some injury history. I don't think either of those are enough uh, to have me concerned. I, I love this offense and, and really what they've done over the past couple of years and what they did in the NFL draft as well. They lose Curtis Samuel, who was uh, really a similar player to, to what they already had in DJ Moore and, and in some ways Robbie Anderson as well. So to add a player that's so different from, uh, from those two guys in Marshall, I loved it. He, he's a cash play for me. Matt, you concur? He's borderline for me because I just, uh, you know, I I like the offense too, but we still have questions about Sam Darnold. Is is he going to be a good quarterback, I guess, for fantasy purposes? Is he going to be able to support three fantasy options in the, the, I guess, really four if we're talking Christian McCaffrey in there too, right? Uh, So, you know, I I have a little bit of questions about his ability to contribute in year one, but, you know, he could definitely be a red zone threat with his size. That's that's the thing that he's going to offer that no other receiver that the Panthers have offers right so he could be a uh, certainly be a touchdown threat and, and make his mark that way um, but just just a lot of you know a, a lot of players there and a quarterback that we're not quite sure about yet so uh, I, I'm, I'm going to call him like a, a borderline cash player for sure yeah I think he is too he qualifies mainly because of that depth chart and there's going to be an opportunity for him to make an impact early and it won't take all that much for him to gain dynasty value, especially considering he lost a little bit, right guys, when, when he fell in the draft, just a few spots and, or maybe even a whole round than what a lot of us expected him to go. So I think, I think many of us expected him to be that seventh, eighth, ninth player off the board in rookie drafts. And now he's pushed down just a little farther than that. It feels like that could create an opportunity for him to gain quite a bit of value over the next year if he makes any kind of impact. So that's what makes him a cash player for me and a value 
value in rookie drafts where he's going right now. They continued to add playmakers or potential playmakers to the offense in the third round and fourth round guys. Tight end Tommy Tremble, who's a great blocker, but does have some upside as a pass catcher as well, which is certainly something that Carolina could use. Tight end out of Notre Dame goes in with a 20th pick in the third round. Then Chuba Hubbard in the fourth round. Depth player behind McCaffrey at running back. He's out of Oklahoma State. What about these guys, Matt? Do you think that there's any upside here? Do we do we want to stash these guys, or are we going to throw him in the heap? Tremble is definitely a stash player. Uh, intriguing athletic upside, but again, we have to remember you, you need to be a top target on your team to be a, a productive, at least difference-making tight end in fantasy. And it's, it seems like that path is, is going to be difficult to achieve, but uh, I'm willing to stash just in case. And then Hubbard is, is definitely trash for me. I just I just don't see a, a reason for him to get on the field unless unless McCaffrey is, is going to – unless they want to rest him, unless they want to try to keep him healthy, unless he gets hurt. One of those scenarios, that's the only, only chance that Hubbard's going to have a value. Ryan, how about you? What do you think on these two guys? Wow, I'm I'm surprised on the the Chuba Hubbard call there from Matt. Um, I was I was actually debating between cash and stash Ooh, for him. Okay. Um, I mean, you look at the depth chart, and obviously, I mean, he's he's not winning that starting job anytime soon, uh, but he's winning the second job for sure. I'm I'm confident in that. Uh, and with what happened with McCaffrey last year, I I can just envision them trying to lower his his workload i mean we've we've heard that from them for a couple of years it hasn't really happened and then it it basically cost him the season uh last year and and it cost them you know i'm I'm sure multiple wins so now that they're one step closer to actually competing i think we see hubbard uh on the field this year uh now how much you know how many touches a game is that and and how much can he turn that into Fantasy value obviously remains to be seen. I, I do think he's still in the stash category, uh, but where he's being drafted late in the second round, I, I think uh, he'll he'll look like a pretty good value at that point. And then, of course, Trimble, uh, an ideal stash. Still kind of crowded depth chart there. They they still have Ian Thomas. We'll see if he ever lives up to our, our hopes. I, I'm kind of doubting it at this point. They are too uh, because they signed Dan Arnold as well. But... Um, We'll, we'll wait and see how they use Tremble. Some some rumors, some reports that uh, maybe he's like their Kyle, Kyle Juszczyk, which would be great news for them, great news for him, uh, not great news for fantasy players. Yeah, somebody that Carolina Panthers fans will probably love. But, yeah. you know, maybe if you're a dynasty player or fantasy player in general, he's just not going to make that much of an impact. That still <laughs> leaves him as a stash. There's certainly some upside. He has a little bit of that George Kittle out of Iowa vibe. You know, he's got, mm. he, he, he wasn't used the George Kittle way yet, but maybe they can unlock it. So he's a guy that I'm monitoring for sure. And I'm with you, Ryan, on, on Hubbard. I was probably a bigger fan of him than both of you combined maybe before the NFL draft. I don't mind that landing spot. And I feel like a lot of what you said there makes a lot of sense there, Ryan, that, that he, he is going to get some opportunity. Maybe it'll be limited right away. But if he were to go down, and by he, of course, I mean Christian McCaffrey, Chuba Hubbard would have that job. And, and I'm just not willing to, to put any of these running backs picked in the third or fourth and sometimes even fifth round in a trash category because, as we all know, no running backs last 16 games and now 17 games. 
I think Hubbard has that backfield for a small stretch this year, and in that offense, he could be very useful. So he's definitely co- closer to cash than he is trash, but he'll he'll end up being a stash for me as well. The The Panthers also added Shai Smith, another late-round wide receiver, guy with a little bit of upside, Ryan. Is this a guy in deep leagues that we're thinking about, or, or are we going to pass on him? Uh, I'm probably passing. Again, it's, it's just the depth chart, uh, just too much to overcome there. Um, so I'll, I'll let somebody else have him. Matt, are you going to be the one that's going to take him? Oh, no, no. Yeah, he's, <laughs> you know, a, a speedy slot receiver, but not great hands. I don't think he can get off of the line well. So, uh, and like Ryan said, the depth chart is pretty daunting. So, nope, he's a, he's a trash player. We saved the Atlanta Falcons for last, guys, because they are a lot of fun to talk about because of one major name. It is, of course, Kyle Pitts, tight end out of Florida. Nobody in their right mind will call him a stash. Nobody, of course, will call him trash either. But go ahead, Matt. Wax poetically about your guy Kyle Pitts for a minute. I mean, he's there's. I just feel like there's not really anything left to say about Pitts. Like he's gonna see. <laughs> sure. He's gonna see. A, like like now, it's almost guaranteed. He's gonna see twenty percent target share easily, right? Like that has to happen at this point. Uh, and I think again, I think I mentioned this before, but we have to stop stop with the the tight end designation it doesn't matter what the designation is it depends on how they're going to use the player and it's clear that they're going to use him as a wide receiver uh in this offense i think so uh you know you just can't base the argument just because no no rookie tight end has done it doesn't mean it's not going to happen i just i just i just that, that just bothers me so uh some other stats hurst and gage combined for 197 targets in 2020 and if you add in the, the 68 t- targets that julio got last year it seems like there's 260 five open targets there uh, obviously gage is, is is has got a little bit of a slight bump uh i think and he excelled when uh down the stretch especially when julio missed some time uh but i think i think you're gonna see uh, Pitts get 100 targets at least in this offense so uh absolute smash cash player uh, you should be taking him ahead of uh pretty much every other player in superflex drafts except for uh, uh trevor lawrence and trey lance i would say Ryan, your thoughts on on Pitts? Because I uh, recently I was uh, I think I was listening to NFL radio on Sirius XM or or maybe it was a a link that I saw on Twitter. But I was listening to one of the beat writers for Atlanta. I can't remember which one. I think it was D Orlando Ledbetter who who dug into uh, the this offensive coaching staff and how they move around tight ends and how they give opportunities for playmakers moving them throughout the formation and uh, really shined a lot of light on what they could potentially do with Kyle Pitts. We all know that he's not your your standard tight end that's going to line up uh, at the end of the offensive line, uh, block down for a couple of seconds, then leak out for for the catch. While he'll do that, he he's going to be used as a weapon and a guy that can stretch the field vertically and horizontally across the middle. So I, I'm I'm intrigued. I hope. And I think they're going to use him as that type of player, especially with Julio Jones having moved on now. Uh, Kyle Pitts seems like that that ultimate upside type player, the guy that we're all going to want on our dynasty rosters for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think we we like him so much. It sounds like uh, Matt has created a new category in this series. Uh, <laughs> sure, he, he's, he's Bitcoin. Now, he's Bitcoin, baby. <laughs> <laughs> he's not just a cash he's a he's a smash cash 
which, sure. which fits perfectly in this series. And, and I agree. Um, I mean, everything that, that we can say about Pitts when it comes to the, um, the Julio Jones move, it's, it's obviously even more good news for him. Uh, if, if there was any concern about how those three could, uh, coexist and, and share the workload, that's, that's now gone. But I think what Matt said is, is true, but it's also interesting that they are going to basically use Pitts as a wide receiver. Uh, the designation doesn't matter from that standpoint, but it just makes me think we're really undervaluing Hayden Hurst. I mean, the three of us have been doing yeah. these, uh, these eliminator leagues run by our buddy, John Bosch. There's 17 teams and I, I believe there's 16 rounds and, I mean, that many players, in, and those are redraft leagues, and Hayden Hurst is hanging around in the 15th, 16th round uh, like like we're just totally throwing him away after a, a productive season. So if Pitts is really the wide receiver, uh, we love Pitts, we love Calvin Ridley, but but Russell Gage and, and uh, Hayden Hurst are going to get theirs as well. Yeah, that's a good point. We're, we're supposed to be talking about cash dash and trash as rookies, but maybe there's some potential outside of these guys in that offense specifically. Hayden Hurst will be that guy at the end of the, the – lined up next to the tackle that will still catch the football for sure. Uh, the Falcons weren't done. Uh, they they added sixth-round wide receiver Frank Darby, who there was a little bit of buzz around him leading up to the draft and certainly a landing spot, Ryan, that, that could create some opportunity down the road. Is it enough to make him a stash player for you? It is for me. Darby was a guy I liked uh, coming out of Arizona State. Was was a little disappointed he fell as far as he did. Uh, but you do have to like the landing spot especially now that, that Julio is gone. So um, he definitely feels like, like one of these project wide receivers. I don't think he's a guy who's going to come in and, and make an immediate impact, even uh, even if the depth chart allows. Uh, but yeah, in, in a larger league, I'm stashing him for sure. Matt, are you stashing Darby as well? Yeah, I'm, I'm stashing Darby too. And then now there's, you know, presumably there's may, maybe some opportunity there. Certainly Gage is going to be ahead and probably Zacchaeus as well too, right? Um, but, uh, you know, Matt Waldman described Darby as like a, on the, the Chris Godwin spectrum in terms of physical talent. So, you know, that's that's pretty intriguing. And if he does develop, you know, he can play that that, that role that Julio did. Uh, to some extent, right? So I know that's high praise, but he's a physical route runner. So I, I actually like like stashing him quite a bit. Yeah, I do as well. The first undrafted free agent that we should really throw into this conversation is running back JV and Hawkins from your neck of the woods down there. Uh, Ryan, he went to Louisville. He's an undersized guy and certainly has a little bit of potential when you consider that depth chart in Atlanta with the, or maybe lack of a depth chart would be a better yeah. way to put it. There could be an opportunity for him to make an impact early in his career. Yeah. I was kind of liking, um, what I saw from Hawkins and, and his, uh, upside in the NFL. And, and of course that was before he went undrafted. So, uh, that's usually, you know, James Robinson, notwithstanding, that's usually, Really bad news for for, <laughs> for any player, um, but if if we have to pick a spot for an undrafted uh, rookie running back, it would be Atlanta. Uh, they've got Mike Davis. It, it looks like they're now considering Cordarrelle Patterson a running back. Uh, they still have got uh, guys like Quadri Allison hanging around as well. So um, ultimately, I, I guess I'm stashing Javian Hawkins. I, I don't see um, 
I, I don't see huge upside even in that offense. I mean, he's just he's just too too little, honestly. And um, but yeah, a, a stash player just because of the depth chart. I've tried to grab him in a couple of these ki- kitchen sink leagues late in the auction for uh, you know ten twenty dollars, and somebody in the, each league wants him a little bit more than I do. So it seems like there are dynasty players that are willing to to spend up a little bit for Javion Hawkins. Matt, are you one of those guys? I don't think so. I was going to say the same thing, Dan. That there's there's too much of of the hype, right? You'd love to get him as a stash on your roster, but it's it just seems like someone's always willing to pay uh, more than I think uh, I, I would necessarily pay for a hundred and eighty pound scat pack. You know, there's maybe some PBR upside there, but. Uh, he's not going to be a reliable asset for for fantasy managers. So seeing him go for uh, you know ten to twenty percent more than the minimum in auctions, uh, it, it's too much for me to pay. I think. Yeah, it is for me as well. Although I still think he qualifies as a stash and a guy that should be on every dynasty roster because there is enough upside right there with the AFC and NFC South guys. We got to talk about a lot of the the best cash players that are out there a couple of them of course in jacksonville and then another in atlanta with kyle pitts we have a lot more to come though we got to get to the afc and nfc north next week of course we covered the afc and nfc east last week so if you didn't catch that one go back on your player and play that one before we get out of here guys anything anything you're doing in your fantasy leagues right now that some advice for our listeners something that will uh that, that they could be checking in on their leagues right now matt uh yeah you know i think now is like a good time to to think about trying to buy some undervalued veterans uh you know we're, we're, we are still you know kind of in rookie draft season and i know we had a big wave right after the nfl draft but we're still still about as far away from the start of the nfl season as we were during the nfl draft you know not too much farther out there so i still think there's a little bit of a window to grab these veterans before we for for, for uh, teams really start to prepare their roster for the playing season so uh, I made a deal for Ezekiel Elliott this week for uh, like Mar- it was like Marquise Brown in a 2022 first something like that. So I think there are some deals to be had on on veteran players uh, out there that can help your team in, uh, in in 2021. Especially if you're looking to contend for a title right now, Ryan. Anything for you to add? Yeah, I was basically going to say the same thing. We talked about it at the start of the show, just that it's kind of the dead period of the NFL, and uh, you, you hear and see a lot of people say that. So be the one in your league that's creating the activity, have the conversation, send the trade offers. Uh, if everybody feels like nothing's going on, make things happen. Yeah, that's what that was going to be my point. The Be the guy that sends the text or the email or – uh, you know, go visit your buddy if you're if you're in the home league or whatever. I, I got a couple of those reactions this year. Oh, I'm so glad somebody reached out. I haven't heard anything in this league. Uh, one of the leagues that we don't do our rookie draft till later on. So if you can be that guy and be the voice that that starts the trade talks, it gets a little bit annoying because plenty of times this time of year you you're that guy. You you bring up a name and then oh yeah, I should think about maybe moving him. And then a couple couple days later, you see in your inbox that the the guy traded him to another team. But uh, but if you're that guy, you're more likely to get the good player and, and improve your roster, of course. So that's the those are the things that we're working on right now. Uh, also, of course, the rookie drafts and these rookie auctions. We're we're excited about our uh, veteran free agency and some of these super or uh, 
uh, salary cap leagues as well. There's so many good things happening despite the dead period of the NFL schedule. So that's going to do it for this episode, fellas. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening to this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. We'll catch you again next week.